great to be back. Our trip was just phenomenal, uh, the things that we went through. Uh, for those of you who don't know what we've been doing here, uh, just a second, I've got to get an order here so I don't lose my place, make sure I have everything ready to go. Uh, the trip that we took, we went back to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and we were assisting with the flooding back there. And the flooding that took place, I believe it was in August, uh, there were 140,000 homes that were flooded. In Katrina, the water level got up to 52 feet. You would drive around Bay St. Louis and you would see big boats like 32 foot, 34 foot up in the trees. I mean, in the tops of the trees uh, where the forest is really thick. And here the water got up to 42 feet. And nobody really heard much about it. It wasn't a hurricane that did it. It was the heavy rains. And I remember during that particular time, Patty and I were flying east, and it was at night, and we could see the lightning storms across Texas and upper Louisiana as we were flying back on the east coast. Had no idea of the ravage that it would just, the toll it would take on the place. There were whole neighborhoods that were just abandoned, they had been gutted, the trash was sitting on the street, just like in Katrina, except Katrina, you didn't have houses. Here you had houses, and they had to be gutted. We helped specifically uh, three people. One was named Johnny. Uh, Johnny is a woman, and she had in her house the flooring. I don't know if you've ever seen flood damage, but the flooring, a tongue and groove floor, has a tendency to buckle up everywhere. And so you got to tear all that up. Well, when they tore that up, the underneath flooring, where's Mario? Is Mario? He fell through how many times? About five times he just fell through the flooring and into the sand and it was kind of wet. How far down was the sand down below? About a foot. And so they called me up and said, what do you want us to do? You want us to take out this flooring? And I said, well, my opinion is you got to take it up. You can't repair it. And so they took it all up. And then after that, they noticed the joists were rotting out and some of the joists had to be replaced. And so all of a sudden, this job is just, it's turning into a complete rebuild. Of course, we just removed the flooring and the next crew is going to take care of that. Then another person named Angie, Angie was a crack up, um, a <laughs> little story. I'm going back and forth. I'm the gopher guy. I got to go to Lowe's. I got to get some stuff and I got to bring it back. And I'm, you know, just picking up everything and, uh, to say it politely, there was a Home Depot there that was the Home Depot from hell, uh, literally. I mean, you, you go in there and nobody knew anything about anything and the, the, nothing was on the shelves and Lowe's was much better. went to Lowe's. Anyhow, I come back, I'm bringing some stuff back and I walk in and I smell this wonderful food. I go, oh, what is that? So somebody's eating. And I look over, Angie's having a little bit. And I look around and Alan's way back in the back bedroom and he's on the floor. And I go, what's, what's he doing back there? And I hear these love songs being played and he's the only one in the house. And Angie's right there. I go, what is going on in here? You know? And of course, he's just doing his job and she wanted to play her music and everything. And then you had Nate and you had Mario and you had JJ. They're crawling underneath this house. They pulled down this wet insulation and the plastic that was on top of that. And then you got you to gotta redo the duct work. You got to put insulation around that. Then you got to put insulation in 
the uh, 18-inch sections that are underneath the joist there. And then there has to be plastic put up. And then the sewer broke underneath there. And you're going, around, oh, what is this? And, you, and I'm telling you, those three guys, the job that they did. And there was another guy named Larry. Larry was there that one day, right? He lived back there. Just yeoman's work. Not a single complaint. I was kind of waiting for it. I got under there for the first day. I was helping out Nate and kind of showing him what to do and JJ. But it, it was just like, wow, such a thankless job. And then on the inside, uh, Alan handled the electrical. And we put up the, uh, Les was doing the drywall with Buzz. And he got that in. And it, I mean, we made such tremendous headway for her. And Patty did the flowers out front. And it was really a blessing for her. And then there's this other guy named Drew Campbell. Drew Campbell, he is a drummer. He said that he played drums in the church that we went to back there, Calvary Christian. But come to find out, he didn't. And come to find out later, I don't know if I told you guys, but Drew's probably not even saved. Uh, It's his wife that is saved and goes to the church. And she told Pastor Joey that uh, he's probably not even saved. You know, so we show up there. And if you know what Keith Green looks like, he kind of looks like Keith Green. He had this bushy hair and this beard. Did you see him, Les? Did you happen to? No. He showed up there and he was a real humble guy and everything. But uh, those are the people we helped. And then we delivered furniture. A semi full of furniture showed up. There were beds, there were dressers, and there were desks. And we took those around. All of us were there uh, that one day. And then there was three the next day with Patty. And Stephen and Patrick, uh, they were from Santee, Calvary Chapel, Santee. And just to show up and be able to assist these people, I want to read you a note. One of the people, one of the persons that we delivered this to, she sent an email back to Patty. And she was, what, all about four foot nine, something like that, right? I mean, she was tiny. She, she took off her shoes and she shrank like four inches. She went down the tiniest thing and her voice was real high and she talked really fast you know i mean just really fast and their whole house was damaged and they had to take out the drywall and we delivered this furniture to her and we were all unloading it getting it off there and getting it into the house and she starts weeping and crying and almost uncontrollably and we prayed for her we all got around and we prayed for her and she was just ecstatic that we would show up and do this for her. And this is what she wrote. A group of people I've never met nor probably will ever see in person again came to my home today to bless my husband, daughter, granddaughter, and myself with household items. But in reality, they blessed me more with their presence. They were kind and understanding as I was having an unpleasant morning. They had hearts of compassion, and in their presence, I began to calm down and give everything back over to the Lord. I'm not sure if you know this group of angels that God chose to visit me today. However, if you do, please tell them they not only made a difference in my future needs, they also blessed me with their presence. I truly felt I was being entertained by angels. And she wrote this to Patty. She says, Patty, you have touched my heart, and I pray we are able to stay in touch every few weeks. I believe our meeting was ordained by the Lord. I love everyone that came today and thank the Lord for coming with them. I could feel his presence. I want to personally thank you for giving me a hug because it was in that hug I felt my problems seep away. Thank you. I love you and your family. And she said, thanks, Rochelle and Charles Puccio or Puccio. Uh, And so that's what we got to experience. Now, we get that blessing, but you guys do too. 
because you gave to the effort and it enabled us actually to upgrade the vehicle that wouldn't uh, support all of us and all of our suitcases that we took over there. And there were some times where not safety was in question, but some bad areas. And I heard a lot of stories. You know, there would be a family that would be devastated and one of the kids in the house would be, you could tell, an obvious gang member, you know, and not really with it knowing what's going on and the gospel going out we were more of an encouragement to fellow christians there than we were going out and doing evangelizing but we also went to the local hotel where people were staying because they'd been flooded out of their homes and we served food and some of you saw those pictures on facebook daryl did you repost some of those to the calvary chapel lakeside website from there you can probably get to my facebook page and i had some commentary on some of those things and i do that just to update you guys um, and I'm not, I just want to let you know, I'm not posting those pictures because I want to be on Facebook. Uh, sometimes other people post them and they get on there. We add the commentary just so that you guys know what is going on. And the fellowship was great. I mean, John, who was the director who was there, what a crack up. I mean, that guy was just incredibly funny. We also worked on the site there. We got a, a sink together. Alan wired this thing because the trailer with all the cooking stuff had to be taken away and we were putting in ovens and a sink and trying to get all that done. Staying at Foxy's Gym uh, is where we were. And there was equipment there and all kinds of stuff. It was just a great overall trip. And the food. Oh, I cannot tell you about the food. The blackened gator, the uh, blackened catfish, the gumbo. We went to Pastor Joey is the um, assistant pastor there at the church. And we went over to his parents' house. And they had this table that was about a 12 by 12. And everybody got to sit around it. And there was this huge pot of gumbo. And you put that gumbo out there. And then we had ice cream and brownies. And that doesn't mention everything, the etouffee that we had. I mean, it was just phenomenal. And if you ever have a chance to go, maybe we might go the beginning of uh, this next year. I don't know. But it's such a blessing uh, to be able to go. It cost all of us something. Uh, it cost some of you something as well. But we were able to be the hand of the Lord, to deliver grace to those people who were there. Now, with that, um, yes? Oh, yeah. Angie, uh, before John called her, John is the director, she was contemplating suicide. And so we just happened to show up. And we worked on her place. And by the time we left, I, you would say this, Alan, she was just like thrilled, right? Uh, she, because her boyfriend was in the hospital. Was it her mom or her dad? That... Her daughter had just had enough of this blood stuff. And the stuff wasn't getting done. Yeah, the daughter moved to Florida. So uh, it, there were just... You know, big issues with the people there. And you could see how they could become depressed. I think I posted one of this young woman. Uh, she brought in her little baby. I'm, I'm bending down by the little baby, trying to keep the baby occupied. And I think it was Nate that took a picture of that. I have no idea if it was him or not. But she just took her baby in to get hearing tests because they think the baby is deaf. And, you know, and to have this flood and the baby's deaf and, you know, having no furniture in the house and we brought the furniture. Uh, you just, unless you experience that firsthand, uh, it's hard to envision what's taking place. And by the way, I will also say this too. The younger members of our crew, they matured. I mean, it was step up to the plate time and they did. 
And uh, especially if we have somebody at high school or a little bit older, you know, that can go, I always recommend you, you take them. And it's not easy. There was not one complaint the whole time, not just on Angie's house, but the whole time. Nobody complained. And it was just a fantastic time of fellowship. I mean, that, that's the richness of the fellowship that you get to experience, especially when people come from out of town. And that's another thing I want to talk to you about. Heavenly Father, we ask uh, for your hand of blessing upon CCA and upon the global network that, Father, you would be glorified through, bro- through both, whether it's Brian Broderson and the group that he heads up or it's CCA and the other Calvary Chapel pastors head up as well. Uh, Father, we just ask for your glory, and I pray that the animosity, uh, maybe infighting that might develop would just go by the wayside. Father, we know that you are the one in control and we want to be submissive to you in all things. We want to be purveyors of your love and your grace. And just because styles change, Father, we understand fellowship does not have to. So, Father, help us to be unified as we seek after the kingdom. And I pray that the reports that are all over the Internet would just fade away, uh, that this would be a non-issue that there would be calmness and people would be able to just rest at night. And Father, bless your word as it goes forth. We thank you for the Old Testament. We thank you for the insights that it delivers to us and especially the successes and the failures of the Israelites. May we learn from them, Lord, and make those lessons our own. Teach us your ways in Jesus' name. Amen. Going on here in... Chapter 31 of the book of Exodus, we have just covered a couple of weeks ago, we covered the anointing oil and the process in which that was to be made and how it was only for the priests and only for use in the tabernacle and people could not make it and sell it themselves. Then I talked about the gifting by the Holy Spirit last time I was with you. I read the section from verses 1 through 11 of uh, Exodus chapter 31 and it talked about these two individuals, Bezalel son of Uri and Oholiab son of Ahishamach. Now, these two guys were given skill by the Holy Spirit to work with their hands. And this is known as the gift of craftsmanship in the New Testament. And there are other gifts. And I I went through and described these gifts, what their purpose is. And to summarize, their purpose is to serve others and to minister God's grace. And secondly, there is a danger of using these gifts to benefit ourselves because God can imbue us with these gifts and we fan them into flame and we can go out and make money with them instead of using them inside the church. And it doesn't mean that you can't go out and use money. Like if, if you're a prolific writer and God has blessed you with this ability to speak for God, you can put it down in written form and you write all these books. Well, if all you ever do is write all these books and you don't use it for the body of Christ inside ministering to the local church, we're not using it for what God intended it to be used for. And this happens with all of the gifts. Somebody can have the gift of helps, but never really helps inside the church. And I gave you the scriptures that deal with these gifts. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse four, uh, chapter 14, and also in the book of Romans, and also in the book of Ephesians. It talks about these different roles. And so whatever our gift is, we're supposed to be using it. We're not supposed to be sitting idle. Thirdly, our gift is to ensure us a reward in heaven. These are the works that God has destined for us to do before the foundations of the world were set. And we know this according to scripture. 
And also using our gifts to show that we are ready for the Lord's return. If you go to Matthew chapter 24, Matthew chapter 25, there's the story of the 10 virgins. There's the story of the talents, the five talents, the two talent, the one talent. There's a story about the thief breaking in and stealing. And if you had been awake, you would be aware of that thief that would be coming in. And all of those little stories point to one thing. That one thing is being ready, being ready to go. Now, just as a side note here. Uh, again, as I, I check out different churches, this idea that Christ would come back, this is first and foremost at some of the churches, but the idea of the rapture and the millennium and the, the um, tribulation period, it's not an issue. They don't want to talk about that. I want to know where I'm going. God has told us where we're going to go. If we're a believer, we're going to be raptured before the tribulation starts. When is that going to start? I heard next week it's going to start. I, I really don't know when it's going to start, but it could start soon. And when, before that happens... We're going to be taken and the Antichrist comes and it's going to be hell on earth, literally. And I want to tell people, you need to avoid this. You need to accept Jesus Christ. If you don't believe in him as your Lord and Savior, you're going to be left behind if it happens in our lifetime. They've even made series, movies about this, written books and tapes. I've been through that Left Behind series. It's an incredible series. I listen to it on tape. And you listen to that and you go, wow, so that's going to happen in the in the future. And they even made secular movies about it. The Omen. Remember the Omen and Damien? You know, the devil incarnate, that type of thing. That is made and the world looks at that and says, wow, this is kind of cool, but they don't understand it doctrinally. I believe as individuals inside the church, we need to understand this doctrinally so we can tell others. We can give a reason for the hope that lies within so that they can come into the kingdom as well and avoid all that. So that's what the gifts are being used for. If you have the gift of prophecy, go out and tell somebody about the Lord. If the gift of evangelism, make sure you bring him into the body of Christ. If you have the gift of teaching, you can sit down and disciple somebody. If you can't do any of those things, if you have the gift of helps, we'll help. You know, change the paper roll in the, the bathroom when you wash your hands, you know, or mop up something. It's all good. We can all perform a service for the body. And that's what the Lord wants us to do. But we must be ready. So these two guys, they had this skill that was given to them by God. And imagine if they didn't use their gifts. I brought this up last time. There would be no temple. There would be no sacrifice, no glory given to God, no increase in righteousness. Judgment would be more severe because of disobedience because people don't use their gifts now what if half the people use their gifts well all of these things are half what if everybody used their gifts could you imagine if somebody just said or if a whole church just said i'm doing it i I don't care what it cost i'm going could you imagine if we all just packed up and went back to louisiana baton rouge we showed up in force all of us now i know not all of us can go right but if all of us went, what, what kind of impact do you think that would happen? It would have a tremendous impact. We'd descend upon a house like ants. And we would just gut the thing and have it all redone in one day. There used to be that show on television you know, with Ty Pennington or whatever. They would totally... Imagine if we could do that just going... Done. And we go away to the next house. I mean, what a tremendous testimony for the goodness of the Lord that he's had in our lives. And we want to give it to somebody else. That's what the Lord wants us to do. He wants us to operate with that gift. If there was no gifts in operation or we chose not to use them, can you imagine the suffering in the world? It is because of Christians the public school system was started. It is because of Christians that hospitals 
were built. It is because of Christians that science started. I know that some people would like you to believe that it was a secular pursuit. It wasn't. It was Christians wanting to discover the glory of God. That's why they did it. They looked to the heavens. They wanted to know about astronomy and what things were hidden out there that we had not previously seen. All these things were done by Christians. Imagine none of those Christians ever doing that. This would be a sad and sorry world full of pain and suffering even more than we see now. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And because of the blessings it brings to others and the glory it brings to God, that's why we do this. Now, observing the Sabbath. This is in Exodus chapter 31 and verse 12. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, You must observe my Sabbaths. This will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come, so you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. Observe the Sabbath because it is holy to you. Anyone who desecrates it must be put to death. Whoever does not work on that day must be, or whoever does any work on that day must be cut off from his people. For six days work is to be done, but on the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest. Holy to the Lord, whoever does any work on the Sabbath must be put to death. The Israelites are to observe the Sabbath, celebrating it for the generations to come as a lasting covenant. It will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever. For in the six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he abstained from work and rested. Okay, class, what day of the week is the Sabbath? Saturday. We even have some in Christendom that say Saturday is the day you're supposed to worship and not work. That is the Seventh-day Adventists. Now, they have a misunderstanding of what Scripture has to say. Not that we don't have any misunderstandings. I don't know of any. And if we have some, I'll change it. If Scripture, you understand Scripture correctly, whatever doctrine we have, just Change it. Don't be so prideful that we can't change it when we see what the scripture has to say. Well, it is Saturday. They have that right. But it's also part of the ceremonial law. It's only one of the Ten Commandments that Jesus did not reinforce keeping. All the rest of them are repeated in the New Testament. But this one in Hebrews chapter 4, it tells us that Jesus is our Sabbath day's rest. We had rested from our labor. We are no longer in sin. God has granted us his grace, and so we can rest. We don't have to work for it. You know, in the Old Testament, the Old Testament was full of regulation and regimen and do's and don'ts, and you had to follow it. How many commandments do we have to follow in the New Testament? That's right. It's only two. You guys are Bible scholars. Well done. I'll put that little brainiac cap on you. It's only two. There were hundreds in the Old Testament. Now, if somebody wants to be technical, well, there are more in the New Testament than there are in the Old Testament. It's more like guidance and teaching, right? Especially the Sabbath. We know that Paul was talking to the church of Colossae, and he told them, don't let anybody judge you by a new moon festival or a Sabbath You don't have to keep the Sabbath as was done in the law. And he spells it out to them. You have this liberty in Christ, but don't use your liberty as a way to commit sin. And so it is explained to us that we don't have to keep the Sabbath. But if they didn't keep it in Judaism, what happened to them? They were stoned. They didn't lose their head, but they were stoned. You go to Israel today, and I, I can remember looking out our hotel room into this one quarter of the town. And I saw them putting up barricades. It's just going dusk. And they put out these barricades. If you drive through 
any one of those neighborhoods on the Sabbath, you could be stoned. Rocks will be thrown at your vehicle and they could hit you and they really don't care if they're going to kill you. Those are the Jews that do that. And then they walk to the Western Wall and I saw all this taking place. I go, wow, they're putting up all these barricades and then they all start walking over to the Western Wall to observe the Sabbath. We don't have to do any of that. None of that at all. Do you guys walk here on Sunday morning? You don't. And then some people believe, well, the new Sabbath is Sunday. No, it's not the new Sabbath. Sunday is the first day of the week. You might say, well, no, Monday is the first day. No, Sunday is the first day of the week. Look at your calendars. Your calendar has Sunday as the first day of the week, and that's a day of rest for us, or on the seventh day of rest, but it's also the first day of the week. You know, so that's what we do. We do not have to keep the Sabbath. And by the way, this was a sign for the Israelites. Also for Abraham, what was the sign that he was under the covenant? That for the Israelites, it was keeping of the Sabbath, right? We know that. And circumcision. That's right. For Abraham, it was circumcision. That was his sign. Now, anybody in here have grandchildren or children or did you go to West Hills? Anyone? No one. Ah, what, what was the sign that you would give at a football game for West Hills? Do you remember? No? It was this. Yeah, it was this. You know what this is? It's a W, West Hills. Wolfpack, they would do this thing, right? Everybody that was in the stands, they're Wolfpack. They would start, you know, they put that hands up. and That was a sign you knew. These people are from West Hills right? If you were part of the Israelites, you observed the Sabbath. You were circumcised. If you were a follower of Abraham. Well, what about um, if you're in the military or in the police? There's some things that you do if you're in those two things that show you are part of it. What are some of those things? Uniform, right? What's another thing? That's right. A salute. You salute. If you see somebody Saluting like that, you know it. Military, officer, something to do with law enforcement or the protection of the uh, the country. It's a sign. You know that they belong to some particular group or fraternity. And then what about um, Olympics? In the Olympics, there's a sign that the shot putters have. They have no neck, right? They have that ball and they stick that ball right there and they have so muscled up their upper body to throw that ball. That's a sign that they are a shot putter. Can you imagine somebody five foot two and having absolutely no muscle whatsoever being part of the shot put team for the United States? It ain't going to happen. And so when you look at the Christians, what's the sign for the Christians that we belong to Christ? Oh, going to make you think a little bit, huh? I'll give you one or two choices. One's baptism. The other is communion. Those two things, and people disagree, agree on varying points on that. But certainly, if you're a Christian, if you're part of the group, if you're part of the wolf pack, so to speak, you get baptized. If you're not baptized, you might as well not consider yourself part of the pack. You say, well, that doesn't lead to salvation. No, it doesn't. But neither does doing this. You know, neither does circumcision. It just means you're part of the pack. That's what it means. And so, and also receiving communion. Some people come in and they'll say, I'm not worthy of communion and I'm out of time. I could just continue. My point about all this is don't let the Old Testament rule over your life and become a legalist. Because the Old Testament, they were under the boot, so to speak. 
They had to do it or they died. We have two commandments. And God is full of grace. And so we need to reside in that grace. We need to make sure we don't put impositions on other people just because it feels right to us. And that's how God would have us walk. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word um, and also for Calvary Chapel, Lord. Uh, the way that you have raised it up and you have actually influenced Christianity in the United States and many parts of the world. Father, we give you glory for that because you were the one who did it. Even Chuck would acknowledge that. We acknowledge that, Lord. It's all you. And Father, help us to be purveyors of that grace. Unlike the Pharisees who thought that it was just doing all the works, help us, Lord, to be carriers of that mercy when the time dictates it and again the grace we thank you for your loving kindness over us we thank you for how you watched over the israelites and how you will do the same until we are with you again in jesus name